Jamie Lewis, and this is Consumed, candid conversations about life and flavor. Before we get into it, I want to share a bit about our sponsor. The inaugural season of Consumed is sponsored by Slow Life Magazine. Now in its 10th year, Slow Life Magazine celebrates the culture of San Luis Obispo with features on the people, influences, products, and businesses that keep this city moving and shaking. I've written the food column in Slow Life Magazine since 2015, where I cover restaurants and food trends here. And over the years, I've seen how devoted Slow Life Magazine's following really is. Readers love learning about their community and weaving into the fabric of this very special place. To learn how you can subscribe, be sure to visit their website at slowlifemagazine.com. For today's installment, I had the pleasure of talking with Emily Goldstein. Emily and I met through Big Sky Cafe in downtown San Luis Obispo, where she was pastry chef and then executive chef over the course of 12 years. These days, she cooks for Trumpet Vine Catering based out of Paso Robles. Emily is interesting for lots of reasons, but I especially wanted her take on what it's like to undergo bariatric surgery for weight loss, which she did in 2016. We talked about what that's like, especially for a busy chef, and how she felt more heard after she lost 160 pounds. We also discussed what it's like to be raised by a Southern mom and a Jewish dad, how that impacted the way she ate as a child and now as an adult, and about her dreams for the future. This is a good one. I hope you enjoy listening to Emily Goldstein as much as I did. Here's our conversation. So, Emily, we met because I did a story on... Oh, I can't remember what it was, but I called you and you had a dessert. I almost want to say it was like a flan or something. Yeah, it was a sweet potato flan for That's Thanksgiving. What it, sweet potato. Yeah. And um, and I got to know you a little, but I don't know. Have we ever met in person? I'm not sure. I mean, I see you on Instagram a lot. Yeah, so same. I'm like, I know her, <laughs> I know. but I don't know if I really know you. I know. And it feels like we do know each other because yeah. of that, which is crazy. Um, So, I mean, just in terms of getting to know you, where did you grow up? Well, actually, I grew up around here. Um, I was born in Los Angeles, but we moved here when I was two and a half. So I've been living in a Tascadero. Well, I lived there from two and a half to 17, and then I went to college. And Yeah. Where'd you go to college? Um, I went to UC Santa Cruz for a year. Yeah. And then a friend of mine was really interested in going to culinary school, and I was like, well, I worked in restaurants. This looks really interesting. And I ended up going and she didn't. So, oh my um, gosh. And was that up in San Francisco? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is no longer around anymore, but was the California Culinary Academy. That's not around anymore? Yeah. It closed a few years ago. Oh. There was, um, I mean, it was kind of silly. I think it, it closed because um, they were sued over false claims that you would be making tons of money in a couple of years and running your own restaurant and yada, yada, yada. Wow. But like. I I knew when they were doing the whole spiel that, you know, you get what you put into, you get out of it what you put into it. Yeah, so, since when was there a guarantee? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of what happened. I know there's still um, like the Art Institute and um, the CIA, uh, California mm-hmm. Institute of America, um, 
oh shoot, I can't remember the They're in Greystone. Extension. Greystone, yes, yeah. that's what. So there's still a few up in the Bay Area, yeah. but where I went is no longer. Well, that surprises <laughs> me because I'm pretty sure Brian Collins from Ember went mm-hmm. there. Um, and then um, Ricky Odbert, who has Six Test Kitchen. I mean, mm-hmm. he was up there not... No, I don't want to get myself in trouble. But it was not that long ago. No, I think they closed within the past, like, maybe four years or yeah. so. It was pretty wow. recently. Yeah. Okay. Well, so you went there, and did you know you were going to study pastry when you went? Uh, I didn't actually study pastry. Oh, you didn't? So, no. So um, I studied regular culinary arts. Oh, okay. Um, and it was interesting, actually, when... I um, started looking for jobs. I found the one at Big Sky, and I was there for quite a while, but they had an opening for a prep and pastry. So Mm -hmm. I just sort of slid into that job, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I did some baking here and there, but never really focused on it, and Mm -hmm. then it became my thing. Yeah, just by trial and error, and Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, And so you told me before we started taping that you're not at Big Sky anymore. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, Yeah, so I uh, left Big Sky the late summer of 2017, actually. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. um, I'd been there for 12 years. Mm -hmm. A lot of changes had happened. Yeah. So um, it was just time to move on. Mm -hmm. And um, I moved over to Trumpet Vine Catering, actually. Oh, they do such a good job. Yeah. So um, I was talking to our VP recently and I was like, do you know Jamie Lewis? And she goes, yes, of course. Oh, get out of here. Uh, Gail Haskell. I don't know. if I know that name. She probably follows you on Instagram, too. You know. Oh, (laughs) oh, gosh. You're making my day. That's awesome. But yeah. So um, yeah. I'm over there. I'm the sous chef and the pastry chef as well. Okay. So so you're doing other things besides just pastry. Yeah. I tend to take on multiple jobs wherever I go. (laughs) Yeah. Join the club. Yeah. Yeah. We have lots of bosses. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think your strength is for them? I feel like when I think of their food, it's so, they do such a good job. It's very fresh. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of them because, um, I don't generally love catered food. Mm-hmm. I'll just be honest. It's so hard to get right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a lot of compassion for people who do it. Uh, but I went to a wedding in 2010. Mm. Um, that's crazy that I remember the year. Yeah. Uh, but it was so delicious. It was so fresh. And it was so just like thoughtful. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just your standard like chicken with a sauce and, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it was trumpet vine. Yeah. We really try to make... Um you know, we try to make it more like a restaurant experience, make it, uh, food that you would want to eat, you know? So we, we do our best. Yeah, (laughs) totally. So what's your specialty? Um, what are you good at? What are you especially good at? Um, I think, I mean, I've sort of developed this love for baking pie. That's one of my, yes favorite things to do <laughs> did you see the movie waitress I did yeah I mean that like yeah it hits all my buttons yeah. I love that movie yeah so um and you know I I mean some people say like oh well it's in your heritage it's in the blood I come from like my mom's side is all southern you know oh. biscuits and pie making and all that sort of stuff so I don't know if that really holds any weight but um I like to say it does so totally. um yeah, but I really like making a good pie. I think that's mm. just, it's wonderful. I like feeling dough and, you mm-hmm. know, just smelling the fruits and all yeah. that. So it's just like a great experience for me. So And pastry, I mean, doing the crust is, I know everybody talks about this. It's so like, 
hyper spiritualized almost, mm-hmm. but the dough is so hard to get right, mm-hmm. but you have to have a feel for it by doing it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because really, uh, the best pie crust should be kind of difficult to roll out. It should be almost too dry to roll out. Yeah. So you have to really kind of get the feel of exactly how it should be. And, mm. you know, I mean, I remember once I uh, was up in, um, Washington state visiting a friend and I was like, Oh, I'll make you guys a pie. We just finished blackberry mm-hmm. picking. It was like the beginning of September, oh. you know? And, um, her husband kept saying, Oh, we got to go buy the pie crust. And I'm just like, no, 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 oh. this is not my style. Totally. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of a love of mine, but yeah. Yeah. But I, I have a lot of other loves too, you know. I mean, seafood is kind of a huge one for me. I love really? seafood. So, yeah. Um, you know, on the savory side, that's mm-hmm. I think my favorite thing to make. Do you do a lot of shellfish and things like that? Or do uh, you yeah. do? Okay. Yeah. Oh gosh. I <laughs> I wish I loved seafood. People oh, are so yeah. they're so dedicated and loyal to it yeah. because they just love it and I feel like I never quite acquired that taste. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it, you can't fault people for what they like and what they don't like. I think it's funny because um, my sister's boyfriend, they bond over, like, they love sushi and they love seafood. Yeah. But he hates sweets. He he hates oh. coffee. You know, and I'm just like, these are things that are essential to me, but at least yeah. they have seafood. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know? Well, he, he nailed it on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of wonder if it isn't a taste that you get from when you're young. My mom doesn't like seafood. My yeah. dad is a fisherman. I mean, he he surf fished and would catch things and bring them back, and I'd watch him fillet and um, and clean it and everything. But when I would have a taste of it, it was kind of a special occasion. He mm-hmm. would go out, you know, on a weekend or something, and it just it didn't work for me because yeah. I think we didn't eat it regularly enough to appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure how that works because I you know, everybody in my family likes it. And I guess we did eat it a lot Mm -hmm. when I was growing up, but yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I think it kind of varies. Yeah. (laughs) Did you know, I mean, you said, you said that you didn't know you were going to go to culinary school. It was sort of like a one-off thing. Yeah. Um, well I growing up and even now really, um, I still want to be a million different things when I grow up, you know, like what, (laughs) what do you want to be? Well, um, you know, I, I want to be a farmer, Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think it's linked to the food, obviously. I want to, I like seeing where everything comes from and, mm-hmm. um, you know, but when I was growing up, I wanted to be a doctor. I mm-hmm. wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be a photographer. You know, there were all these things that I wanted to be. And I, I saw even going into college, I didn't know where I was going to go. Mm-hmm. I thought it was too early at 17 to know exactly what I wanted to totally. do. Um, so I just sort of fell into it because it was something that I had done as jobs as a teenager mm-hmm. growing, you know, going to high school and having my after school job or my summer job. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when I was, I want to say 11 years old and I was um, at the restaurant that's in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, uh, is it the Blue Bayou? Yes. Which I've, I've never eaten there yeah. and I've always wanted to eat there. Yeah, yeah. I think I was 11. We went on a trip to, or maybe I was nine. I don't know. It was somewhere around 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we went on a trip to Disneyland and we ate at that restaurant and I just, they have, there's like a starry sky, yeah. like ceiling and 
Um, I just had this imagination of like, oh, I'm going to run my restaurant when I grow up and then I'm going to come out and there's going to be like a piano player and I'm going to sing for a song and then I'm going to go back into the kitchen and, you know, yeah. cook some more. So, I mean, it's definitely one of the things that has always been on the table. Yeah. And I feel like that age 9, 10, 11 is such I feel like things start to crystallize a little mm-hmm. bit. It's such a formative age. It's puberty. You know, yeah. it's like all of a sudden we have these desires and how do I fulfill them? And yeah, that's mm-hmm. how I feel like that could still happen for you. Yeah. Like, we'll just get you your place and your microphone <laughs> yeah. and it'll be great. Yeah. What's your relationship been like to food? I mean, as you were growing up, did your, were your parents good cooks? Um, yeah, actually, you know, it's funny. My dad was the cook in the family mm-hmm. for the most part. I think because of uh, how the schedules worked out. He ran his own business um, and he worked early hours. So he worked seven to three every day. And so Mm -hmm. he was there for dinner. My mom worked for Cuesta College for a long time, actually. And so she um, didn't get home till after six. So he was always cooking. And he, I mean, he cooked for my mom on their second date or first date or something, you know. So, and he came from a foodie family. Yeah. So, um, you know... a group of LA Jews who loved their food and wine, you know? So, um, it's just, uh, I grew up in two pretty rich food cultures, Mm -hmm. um, Southern Southern and and Jewish. Jewish. Yeah. Wow. So, (laughs) yeah. And in San Luis Obispo. Yeah. That seems not typical here. Yeah. Well, my parents met in San Diego, um, at college and then they came, they lived in LA when we were, little Mm -hmm. and I think they visited Morro Bay they were bird watchers Mm -hmm. um so they went on vacation in Morro Bay and then that's kind of what brought them to the area I know that Morro Bay and Los Osos are huge bird watching there's even Mm -hmm. a festival bird watching festival Mm -hmm. so I mean I think for price reasons they ended up in Atascadero but you know uh, that's kind of where we ended up did you guys practice I mean I know that Judaism follows the female line yeah I mean technically you know I'm not really Jewish because my mom's not Jewish no no I just (laughs) did you practice I mean did you go to Uh, temple they weren't I mean my my dad's family my dad was bar mitzvahed um but they weren't particularly religious yeah um they had a Hanukkah bush which was a Christmas tree every year you know so the only thing that we really did was we lit candles on the menorah every year Mm -hmm. and well that's kind of it yeah. yeah, but that's. I mean, I grew up great. with some of the f- traditional foods because my dad liked them. Did you have matzo ball soup? And mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I grew up with matzo ball soup and just matzas and mm-hmm. gefilte fish. I mean, that's something that I like, which is oh, so God. weird. I know, I know, it's so weird. <laughs> it's Cold like for me- fish meatballs <laughs> with gel on them. Like it's, it's gross. like fish to the nth degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, especially <laughs> the ones in the jellied broth. It's like fish oh. jello. It's disgusting. But, but is it I the best? It. Like yeah. That? yeah. It's just you know you get some creamed horseradish on it. It's delicious. So. Yeah, I do think creamed horseradish on anything is <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so uh, and, you know, I was introduced to a lot of different things. Yeah. So which is, I mean, not typical for people our age. I think mm-hmm. to be you may you may be a bit younger than me, but I just I was not introduced to worldly foods um for a while but it's been cool to kind of grow as my parents and I taste things kind of together it's been cool to swap ideas and Mm -hmm. um it's just become a more food conscious world I think Mm -hmm. or at least the United States has been yeah yeah um so 
when you left college, you came back to Big Sky. Mm-hmm. And what was that like? What was the culture at Big Sky like? Well, it was pretty interesting, actually, because I felt like um, it was kind of coming home. I mean, my sister was vegan in high school, so we went mm-hmm. there a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the only place in the area at the time. You know, she graduated high school in 1997, so it was, yeah. it, it was open for maybe five years at the time yeah. or something like that. Um, so it was, uh, it was somewhere that I was used to somewhere mm-hmm. that I felt comfortable. And, um, it was very, inter- it was a very interesting experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for 12 years. Yeah. That's a long time, that's, especially in the restaurant industry. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I worked my way up from, um, prep cook and pastry chef to the executive chef when I left. So I didn't know that. Yeah. I was the executive chef for a little over a year. It was a long and complicated story, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, it was, uh, it was definitely, uh, my coming of age experience, I guess, you know, I was 19 when I started and I left when I was, well, it was two years ago. I guess I was 31 or 32, something That's like that. That's a huge formative yeah. <laughs> clump of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you said it would be okay if we talked about bariatric surgery or yes. is that, is that what it was that you had? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think, can you say that and gastric bypass, are they kind of the same thing? Yeah. Gastric bypass is a form of bariatric surgery. Okay. So there's a couple different forms. There's the Rouen-Y gastric bypass, uh-huh. which is, um, I guess it's, the name is kind of based on the shape that your stomach and intestines make once you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes a Y shape. The, they connect something down and that's it. That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the uh, gastric sleeve, mm-hmm. I think is what it's called. I've heard of that. So there, And then the, there's like the, um, the lap band, which is mm-hmm. not being used as much. They say it doesn't really work quite as well. Yeah. And so there's a few different things. Um, but yes, I had gastric bypass. What was that like for you? Um, it was really difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, um, you are so weak at the beginning because you can't get any nutrients. And, you know, I had this big body that required all this nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and especially working in a job that was very physical, I had to take totally. a lot of time. Um, I had to take more time than most people do to come back to work because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're working in an office sitting in a chair, you're okay. But if you're running around, you know, and it's hard to get even your, water intake for the day especially at the beginning you have to take little sips you can't I mean it hurts to take a large sip of water so um it's definitely it was a challenge um how long did you take off do you remember I think it was like six weeks wow I have a friend who's back in 10 days Mm. but she was sitting in an office you know so um also it was the middle of summer Mm. so getting dehydrated was uh, real possibility. Right. Um, it was, I think we had a huge heat wave the first week I was out of surgery. It mm. was June 27th, 2016 was when I had the surgery. Mm-hmm. And then the 4th of July week was like 115 degrees. Oh my word. So, <laughs> and I would never have connected the fact that you couldn't easily drink water with mm-hmm. a dehydrating heat wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was definitely interesting. And then once I, um, was able to start eating solid foods cause they have you eat you know, mush yeah. for the first week. 
one of the, you know, they have levels. So you can have soft foods and then you can start incorporating more. And, you know, you have to, you have to be careful about what fiber you have mm-hmm. and all that because it can really be painful. The first thing I ate was a scrambled turkey egg and that was a terrible choice. <laughs> you can get turkey eggs? Uh, my mom has turkeys. Oh my gosh. So Why was that um, a terrible choice? Well, any egg. I guess egg is like, it's on that list of the soft foods. Yeah. But it's like the most difficult of those soft foods. Yeah. That's a very specific yeah. kind of soft food. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, cause it can be a little rubbery, you yeah. know, um, it's just like the hardest of the soft foods. Mm-hmm. And also temperature has been kind of a difficult thing for me. If some, if a food is too hot, yeah. my stomach will hurt, um, really? which is something that I never had to deal with before. Yeah. So, um, but I was just in so much pain and I finally just, you know, there was a lot of vomiting in that first oh, couple of months thing. because you just don't know what your body will tolerate. Yeah. It's a whole new world, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's very interesting. But. It's different for everybody, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Everybody's tolerance for... Oh, yeah. Um, and what bothers people is different. Yeah. I had a friend who had the sleeve surgery, and she said, you can never have potatoes again. I can have potatoes, you know? And so it just depends on... That's such a weird food not to be able to have. Is it yeah. because it, like, it's so starchy. Or? Okay, I yeah. Think, I mean, maybe she meant, you know, you're not supposed to. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... But I mean, it doesn't, that's one of the things that bothers me the least. And it's also one of the foods that I didn't really like that much Mm. before, Mm -hmm. but now it's like, oh, this is a satisfying thing that doesn't bother my stomach. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's not the best food because it's not the most nutritious, but what about sweet potatoes? Did you like sweet potatoes Um, when I asked you? I, no, I did. I did. Um, it wasn't my go-to yeah but I do I do like them and you know I mean coming from a restaurant that's sort of famous for their yes. sweet potatoes <laughs> totally that's when I think of big sky I think yeah of sweet potatoes yeah so um but yeah I mean I think I probably eat as much as I did before mm-hmm. of sweet potatoes yeah it's, it's not something that's changed in in volume or anything yeah are you happy you did it yes I am it's interesting I keep saying it's interesting because it is because <laughs> you're totally right um it's just been a really crazy experience. You know, when I, when I was talking to people who knew other people who had had it done, they would say, oh, I had an uncle who did it and he gained all the weight back or mm-hmm. oh, I had, you know, mm-hmm. and I knew that was a possibility. Um, I haven't, I have gained a little bit back, maybe like 15, 20 pounds, something mm-hmm. like that. But when you lose 160 pounds, like Girl. that's, wow. you know, what is that even like? I mean, I've heard of people looking in the mirror and not knowing what they were looking at anymore. Yeah. I mean, you don't see it. You see the person that was before, you know, I mean, mm. I see myself in pictures and I'm like, Oh, my face looks so fat. And then I see a picture of myself from two, three years ago. And I'm mm. like, no, it doesn't, yeah, <laughs> you <right>. know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it, it's weird. It's a weird, um, experience to I mean just not recognize yourself or just see what was before and not Mm -hmm. really see what's what's really in front of you Mm. um and there's a lot of expectations from other people about what it should look like and um how much weight you should lose and you know they hear about somebody who got it done and they're rail thin and yeah. they are a supermodel now and blah 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 but when 
I was going through all the classes I was supposed to be going through before the surgery. They were talking about gastric bypass has the highest rate of success of all the bariatric surgeries. Mm -hmm. And you still only are expected to retain about a 60% of your excess weight Mm -hmm. loss. Mm -hmm. I phrased that weirdly, but so you could still, so say somebody's 300 pounds, their ideal weight is 150 pounds. A successful surgery will still leave them about 60 pounds overweight. Right. Over, well, over what they wanted to be. Or what, you know, the medical ideal is supposed to be. Yeah, right. Unless they're going above and beyond. Maybe they're, you know, once they lose some of the weight, they're becoming athletes or, you know. Yes, something that's extreme. But so I'm still over, very overweight, I would say, but I'm far lighter <laughs> thinner that's the best lighter is the best <laughs> than I would yeah yeah so. I don't like the word thin and I don't like yeah. the word skinny I always it just rubs me all wrong mm-hmm. I don't know I have a history of some peculiar eating also mm-hmm. which I always find so interesting that a lot of us wind up in the food industry mm-hmm. is there any surprise no of course not but um, yeah but yeah that the word skinny and the word thin. I mean, I think about, there's a whole line of wines. I think it's called skinny girl wines. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they have mixes too, like alcohol yeah. mixes. And I get what they're going for, but I can't help but feel like that's exploiting. I mean, it, it's hundred percent exploiting people's desire mm-hmm. to be acceptable mm-hmm. and, or, you know, even to themselves to feel accepted. And I mean, everything comes down to feeling loved mm-hmm. and belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I don't like that that's the avenue that they use for that, but I know why they do it. Yeah. Yeah. To make money. <laughs> to make money. I know. I said that to too. prey on people's insecurities. Totally. <laughs> I, I can't remember what it was yesterday. My son said something like, well, why do they do that? And I could have had a better, like more sensitive answer, but I said to make money. Mm-hmm. They do that to make money yeah. and um, they want you to buy it. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So yeah. how do you relate to food? Now, is it any different? I mean, aside from learning that, you know, potatoes work for you, but other things don't. Yeah. Um, it's changed my taste some. I think uh, now I'm able to eat more than I could. You know, it's sort of a gradual thing. I can tolerate a little bit more, but I still surprise myself because um, I rarely sit down for a meal. Hmm. When I'm at work, I'm on my feet. We work, you know, straight through. We're doing events. We're tasting here and there. But I rarely sit down and eat like a whole meal. So sometimes I forget that I can only eat, you know, the size of my fist. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden my stomach hurts because I ate too fast or I overestimated how much I can eat. Mm -hmm. Um, But before it was, you know, the size of a walnut. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's more than it was. And I think that's why over the past almost three years, I've gained a little bit back because Mm -hmm. I can eat a little bit more at a time. And I don't stay full as long as Mm -hmm. I used to. You know, before (laughs) when I was first starting to eat solid food, I could eat one of those little baby bell cheeses and be full for two hours. Oh my gosh. So now it's like... You know, I can eat a handful of, I don't know, a yogurt with fruit and mm-hmm. cereal or something on it that is the size of my fist and be full for 45 minutes. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like almost like 
back to normal. Yeah. Like, or what I would assume a normal, uh, person who doesn't have weight issues Mm -hmm. would eat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, it's definitely a balancing act now because I am to the point where I could start gaining weight back Mm -hmm. and, it's how's that make you feel it's scary yeah it really is scary I'm happy I had the surgery but I also I think one of the biggest thing that things that scares me is that of the the judgment from other people oh she had the surgery a while Mm -hmm. back but look at her now you know that sort of thing because a lot of people know that I had the surgery Mm -hmm. um so I think that's honestly the biggest fear of mine because I am active I my my lab numbers are good. You know, I Mm -hmm. feel healthy. So as of now, I feel pretty good about my life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I have people who love me. I'm not concerned about that, but I do worry about the perception of, oh, this was a failure. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, it certainly isn't yet, (laughs) No, but you know, that is something scary moving forward. Yeah. So, um, I think the biggest thing I've taken away from it is that it looks a lot different than what people from the outside would expect. That's been a theme even in the past however many minutes is the way that other people relate to what happened to you Mm -hmm. is really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Because if it were just you, maybe you kept it a secret or something. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be so interesting to watch that, the way they would react to you then. I mean, it's I find it so fascinating that um, when somebody drops a lot of weight, there is so much positive reinforcement from mm-hmm. others. Um, and I wonder how that differs from, you've been very honest and very public, mm-hmm. not, not like very public, but you've, you haven't been afraid to tell people mm-hmm. I had this surgery. Um, and so I'd be curious to see how people relate to someone who has, I don't know, essentially stopped eating and, you know, working out constantly and did not have surgery. Mm-hmm. Versus somebody who did. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting difference in public perception. Yeah. It's hard to set. And I can imagine, I mean, just for me, it's hard to separate the way I project people think about me from the way I think about me. Mm -hmm. So how do you think about you? I mean, I think even before I, it wasn't something, my weight wasn't something that I really thought about at all until it was brought in front of my face. You know, I would be having a great time. I would be just interacting with my friends and family. And then I would be out and about and I would see myself in the reflection of, you know, a a window in a building and realize, oh my gosh, that's what I've been looking like this whole time. Mm -hmm. Or I would go on a flight somewhere and have to have an extender Mm seatbelt because the seatbelt didn't fit me. Or go to out to a restaurant and the chair with the arms on the side, you know, I wouldn't be able to fit into it. So mm-hmm. I would have to sit at the very edge or somebody would have to get me a new one, you know, mm-hmm. get me one without sides. Stuff like that that would happen and it would just remind me of all my limitations. But when nothing like that happened, I felt just like anybody else. Yeah. And so it was almost a surprise every time that happened because... Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm any different than anybody else. And so I think that's, that's, um, I mean, that's the theme for everybody's life. I feel like, you know, everybody feels just like a person Mm -hmm. and it's only when other people remind them of their differences that, you know, it becomes an issue. Yeah. It sounds like maybe you had some, um, 
strong, good parents. Too. Oh, yeah. My parents were amazing. I never really realized how amazing they were. You know, when I quit university and went to culinary school, they didn't bat an eye. They were super supportive. You know, when I got my first tattoo, my dad was like, oh, cool. Let me see it. You know, they always oh. told me I was smart and beautiful and yeah. just wonderful parents. Yeah. So just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> really, I feel very lucky. And, and you know, all my friends kind of consider them as surrogate parents too. Mm -hmm. And so I think I had a really good upbringing. Yeah. But you know, and one thing that I don't, I mean, this is going to sound terrible and I don't mean it the way it's going to sound, but, um, you know, I wonder if my mom had been more critical of me and my weight when I was growing up, if my, if I had grown up, if it would have, led me to be thinner growing up, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and if that would have benefited me in any way, or if it would have given me more issues, if I would have become bulimic or, you know, yeah. because we all love food in that family. <laughs> yeah. And why but, wouldn't you? Yeah. But her mother, you know, was very prim and proper mm -hmm. military Southern lady. You know, you have to look mm -hmm. pretty. You have to be skinny. Your hair has to be combed like and you know, curled do your and gelled. And yeah, yeah, do your exercises every day. You know, even mm -hmm. when my sister went to visit her when she was a little kid, my sister has memories of her putting her on a scale. Oh my God. And I never got that. I don't know if my sister said something cause my sister's five years older than I am. Yeah. So I don't know if my sister said something when she got back from that visit and my mom talked to my grandmother or what, but mm -hmm. that didn't happen to me when I went out mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Um, so my mom was very body positive mm -hmm. from the start because it was sort of a backlash from how her mom raised her. That's amazing. Well, gosh, your mom. <laughs> I don't know. The power of a parent and yeah. their love, um, unconditional love. I, um, I have a son and a daughter mm -hmm. and, um, I'm very conscious of the way I I'm not saying I succeed all the time, but I'm very conscious of, I don't want to even mention, I don't even want to talk about anything having to do with food or body other than mm -hmm. pleasure. Yeah. Um, it is so tough. We, we recently, um, I didn't like always having to vet what my kids were eating. We just had, you know, from when they were little, um, they would say, can I have a snack? Yes or no. And what is it? I don't know. You know, get yourself something. And, um, recently we put together the snack drawer and mm -hmm. it's, enough food to last, you know, all the way through the week. And I'm not going to add to it until the end of the week. So they kind of have to budget out how much for themselves mm -hmm. they're going to eat. And that first week, I mean, they've been so happy about this snack drawer thing. It's like <laughs> autonomy over their food. Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah, the first week they were out by like day three, there was nothing left in the drawer. They did not complain even once because it was that agency and that power over mm -hmm. what they put in their body. And I mean, I'm telling you it, my tongue was bleeding all week long. Cause I was like, I'm don't, I cannot say anything about how much food they're taking in or like you need to have some left for later. But I kept my mouth shut. My husband kept his mouth shut. Those kids are learning. I can't believe how well they're learning mm -hmm. just what's comfortable in their body. And you know, when am I full and when am I hungry? It's been amazing, but it's taken all of my energy not to give input. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I mean, just your mom. That's amazing. Yeah. She's definitely a really cool lady. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, I think I lucked out with my family. Yeah. I mean, they're weird, you know, <laughs> Who's for all isn't? their flaws yeah. and all that. But I think, you know, I, I really appreciate the, 
upbringing that I had. Yeah. I appreciate mine too. (laughs) Um, what has it been like? I mean, in terms of challenges and failures, I mean, what's not to bring it down too much, but I always love hearing about what people see as their own, like what's a big failure of yours. Mm -hmm. Um, not to get too personal. Do you mean in terms of, uh, the bypass itself or just life in in general? Anything. Oh, that's a broad question. I know it. (laughs) I know. I mean, sometimes I wonder if going into the culinary industry was healthy for me to begin with, Mm. you know, um, like you said, people who tend to have issues with food or issues with alcohol, you know, go into the beer, wine, spirits industry or the restaurant industry. Um, so, you know, I wonder what my life would be like if I, as a 17 year old decided to start taking a bunch of science classes and go be a doctor like my cousins. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I definitely have, um, a lot of, of that wonder. I wonder what my life would have been, how my life would have been different if I had done different things. Mm Um, so, I mean, I, I guess that's not really a failure more is just, it's what would you call it? That's like a, it's a question. Yeah. It's a question. If mark. it was a missed opportunity, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't dwell on, you know, I'm kind of of the school of thought that all the good and bad that has happened to me in the past molds who I am and where I go. Yeah. And um, I think that's something that has uh, been a benefit to me because I I don't regret a lot yeah you know I might look back on something embarrassing that happened and think oh god I really wish that had never happened but I don't really regret life decisions or anything like that so so what's a big win for you what's been a big um a big uh yeah a big win I I mean honestly the surgery because Mm -hmm. not because of the weight loss so much just the way it's changed my life um building confidence, um, in all situations. Um, it wasn't, you know, about being pretty or anything like that, but I think being heard more, Mm. um, being more confident in what I'm doing. What do you mean by being heard more? Do you feel like people listen to you more now? I do. Really? Yeah. Um, I feel like my opinions were discounted a lot. Um, Mm. And I don't know if that was being a woman in a male-dominated industry yeah. or if it was being a, a traditionally unattractive mm. woman in a male-dominated industry. Um, oh my gosh, the things you're saying, you're <laughs> rocking my world right now. Yeah, But um, I definitely think that people heard me more when I started to lose weight and gain more confidence. Yeah. So, I mean, some of that is came from within, yes. for sure. Um, but you know, I made a big move. I moved from a restaurant that I had been at for 12 years, a year and a half after I did that. Yeah. Um, because I had more confidence in what I was doing and, you know, perhaps felt like I was able and allowed to make a change that I didn't feel able or allowed to do Mm -hmm. when I was heavier. Yeah. So it sounds like you may have even kind of given yourself permission to do that, which it's a two way street, how we feel about ourselves in conjunction with how people treat us. Mm -hmm. But that's nuts that 
I mean, I, I actually would believe it wasn't just you. I totally <laughs> believe that it was also, I don't know. We're such funny people, mm -hmm. especially in this era. Um, the way that we treat others based on the way that they look is fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So you, you have a boyfriend. Partner, I do. And was he with you through all of that? He was. Yeah. What was that like for him? Do you think? I don't know. I, I'm not sure because he, um, he has like resting bitch face from the to the 10th degree, really. So I kind of <laughs> never know what his, what he thinks because uh, he just sort of is a blank canvas most of the time. I love um, it. That's hysterical. So I really have to kind of pull like, yeah. you know, what his emotions are out of him. But, um, yeah, he, we were dating for a couple of years before I had the surgery. And that was another thing that was just amazing for me because it, I felt like I wasn't getting the surgery to, you know, go catch a man or right. something like that. You yeah. know, I felt loved and supported and it was just something to do to k extend my time mm -hmm. with him and in life and just, you know, be happy. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's been supportive. He never, you know, I gained a significant amount of weight before the surgery too. probably mm -hmm. the year before the surgery I gained, I want to say maybe 60 pounds, 65 mm -hmm. pounds. Um, and he never said a word. Had you already made the decision to have the surgery when you, um, it? it was in my head. Yeah. So that's another thing. I yeah. don't know if it was, you know, Oh, this might happen. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm yeah. not sure with the psychology of that, but, um, but yeah, he never said a word. He never put me down. He never, mm -hmm. um, really made me feel like his love was contingent on how I looked or anything like that. He just was there. And, you know, when I was in a lot of pain after the surgery, he sat in a chair and I, and held my hand and mm. I slept and I woke up and he was still holding my hand. Mm. You know, it was like the next day he wow. slept in the chair with, you know, next to me and, and he was really, really great. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I've just been become more confident in our relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a lot to have gone through too. Yeah. They say that, uh, the surgery causes a lot of breakups. And why do you think? I think, you know, maybe people aren't as well matched as they think they are. Um, the person who has the surgery tends to gain a lot more confidence. And maybe if they weren't in a great relationship to start with, they move on. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of people who've had that situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, thankfully, you know, I think we're doing pretty well. And yeah. We're, we've been dating for five years or a little over five years now. Nicely so. done. And yeah. how'd you guys meet? the internet. <laughs> oh, yay. That's yeah. awesome. So, um, yeah, it was funny because, uh, there was just something about him. I initiated, I never yeah. was that person or I wasn't often that person. He never responded. I dated someone in the meantime. And then when that didn't work out, I mean, it wasn't a long time. It was a few weeks, maybe a month or so when that didn't work out, I kind of went back to his profile. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, there's something about him, you know? Yeah. So, um, in the first one, it was funny. The first time I contacted him, I had this carefully crafted, you know, I had these questions for him. I mm -hmm. thought I, 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 
he, I see he said something really funny. He was, I mean, he's a very educated person. He's mm-hmm. got like master's degrees and, or a master's degree. And, um, but he was working as a Starbucks barista at the time. Oh and my he gosh. made, you know, some self deprecating joke about that. And yeah. I thought it was hilarious. And, um, so I, you know, I did this, wrote this whole long thing, nothing. So mm-hmm. then when I finally came back to him and, you know, wrote something to him again, I just said, Hey, how's it going? Mm-hmm. And he responded. <laughs> yeah. Because it wasn't so, like a formal thing. Yeah. And I think he, you know, knowing him now, it was probably an overwhelming, yeah. like, Oh my gosh, this is this whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, she's writing all about this. I don't even know how to respond. Yeah. <laughs> so when I just said, Hey, you know, he said, Oh, I'm doing well. I'm at work right now. Blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. and it kind of just progressed from there. And he's local. Um, you know, he, we, could have known each other if we went to the same high school, you know? Oh, really? So yeah. he's, he's in Atascadero? Um, well, or he was, he I mean. was kind of back and forth. He went, he actually ended up going to Paso high. Okay. So, uh, but he went to Atascadero junior high. Wow. And so he knows people that I went to high school with because they were in junior high together, but yeah. he's three years older than me. So we would, we didn't cross paths. That's so, awesome though. I mean, you, you know, our, I live, we live, he lives, we live together now. Yeah. He lives, um, so we live <laughs> in the same neighborhood as his parents. We live probably oh, less than a mile away. That's you know? cool. So we, I'm actually going to coffee with my parents and his parents after this, oh. you know, so I think, you know, we've kind of made this family. Yeah. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, what did he get his master's in? International relations. Holy cow. <laughs> what did he want to do? I, I'm, I know I'm not supposed to ask about him. But. Oh, that's all right. He's a very interesting person. Um, he's very politically motivated. Yeah. So he wanted to go into politics, I mm-hmm. think. He did an um, internship for Diane Feinstein's office because mm-hmm. um, he went to Fresno State. Mm-hmm. So I believe her offices are somewhere near there, oh, somewhere yeah. inland. Um Oh gosh, if I got that wrong, he's going to be mad, but uh, you get a card, you get a pass card. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think he wanted to go into politics. He's still very politically motivated. I think Mm -hmm. I'm more politically informed than I ever was. And I was before, but you know, that's 70% of what we talk about at home. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and, but I mean, he's not doing that now. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just, I mean, I think everybody sort of ends up in a different spot than they think they oh would. Oh my gosh. It's so true. So, um, but you know, it's still good to know about and yeah. he's a very smart person and you know, I appreciate his knowledge. So yeah, for cool. sure. Um, when I graduated from college, I couldn't find a job and, mm-hmm. uh, certainly not one as highfalutin as I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I thought it was the magic ticket, um, to like the good life. And I wound up tending bar at roses and Pismo by night and then working behind the counter at boo boo records during Mm -hmm. the day. And I remember a kid that I graduated with, um, on the East coast happened to be traveling up the West coast. And he came, came in when I was at boo boos and bought a CD Mm. and, uh, I said, Oh, Hey, you know, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm on my way to grad school. I'm going to study, you know, I'm going to be a lawyer. And I just remember feeling like, oh, <laughs> what am I even doing with my life? And I don't know. It's just a really scribbly path to get mm-hmm. where we are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my dad uh, went to school to become a chemistry teacher hmm. and then he 
worked in a dental office and then he worked for an art welder and then he, you know, I mean, like, I think that's one thing that, um, has sort of comforted me in my journey and like, you know, when other people get stressed out about their journey to whatever career they want to go to, knowing that my parents had four different careers before I was born, you know? Yeah. Um, so things change and we live interesting lives and you know, just totally go Um, with it. (laughs) If you were to, um, if you were to open your own place, let's just say, Mm -hmm. what would you do? Because I'm sure you've thought about it. I have many times. Um, So the most recent one that I wanted to do, which came, I mean, not too close, but kind of came close to becoming reality, um, was I wanted a pie and ice cream shop. Girl, do it. Do it. (laughs) Because especially living in North County with the hot summers and the cold winters, you know, the pie can be the the uh leading seller in the winter winter and, and fall the, yeah. yeah and the ice cream can be the leading seller in the summer but yeah. they go together they do so um that was definitely something that i you know i bought myself a ice cream maker with a compressor in it one of the expensive ones yeah. so i could do test batches and all that are you an ice cream person do, have you always made ice cream um i had one of the uh churner you know you freeze the bowl yes. and you turn it i have had one of those for since culinary since before culinary school so mm-hmm. um i did batches here and there mm-hmm. um it's a little harder after the surgery because more than a quarter cup and it makes me sick yeah it's just too much and it's cold does that yeah. bother you cold doesn't bother me as much okay. as hot hot is the one that really bothers me but i've heard of some people being bothered by cold so yeah. that comes back to it affecting everybody differently yeah um but, you know, uh, playing around with different dairy and, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, my, well, I call her my mother-in-law at this point, but yeah. she is allergic to milk. So, you know, cow's milk. So maybe goat's milk or sheep's milk. Yeah. Coconut milk, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think coconut milk has uh, the great, a great like fat content yes. for that sort of thing. Um, I, you know, when I was experimenting just discovering that when you have a higher fat content, it actually is a less creamy ice cream. It's more fluffy. Oh, um, I, last summer I made a Thai iced tea ice cream. Oh. It was delicious, but it was, i did mostly cream mm-hmm. thinking, Oh, this is going to be creamy and wonderful, but it was fluffy. And was it kind of gummy tasting? Not gummy, but like you almost like, um, you could taste the butter fat. Yes. I don't like that. Yeah. I that's I feel like I've tried to do, you know, even just a vanilla. Mm-hmm. And if the fat content is too high, I really like I don't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because you think gelato is so rich, but yeah. it's more just milk. Yeah. And, and eggs. that's what gives the creamy texture yeah. is the milk, not the cream. Right. So finding out, you know, how that affects things, higher sugar content makes it like um, softer because mm-hmm. it doesn't freeze quite as hard. Right. Um, but too much sugar, you can't freeze it at all, you know. Yeah. So that's that's fun for me. Just kind of making well, making anything from scratch is really my passion. Mm. So um yeah, and you I just got, play with it. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't need recipes. The people who don't need recipes. Well, but you're a baker. Well, I see. I think one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done is baking something just from my brain. By heart. And 
it working. Yeah. I've definitely failed a lot, but there have been times <laughs> where it just came out and thinking, oh my gosh, I have this so down. It's in my soul. It's in my yeah. fingers. You know, I can just do it. So, um, it's a little bit of both for me. Yeah. You know, if I have a baseline recipe and because I did go to culinary school and mm-hmm. learn some of the food science behind it, I can make the changes that I need to, to adjust. And mm-hmm. so I feel like, have you considered do <laughs> I'm going to put together a business plan for you. Okay. Have you considered <laughs> a Tascadero? It's just so it's booming right darling now. down there. Mm-hmm. I love being down there. Um, well it's funny actually. I don't know if you, there's a, there's a place that just opened mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago called Colony Market in Delhi. Have you heard it? No. That What's that like? Um, so it's a little sandwich shop. I think they're going to do some sweets and they're, they have, you know, a bunch of craft beers and I think they want to get local products in. Can you sit down to eat there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But, um, it was in this old gas station that, uh, they converted into a restaurant. So there's like roll up doors and oh. where the pumps used to be is now where the patio is. Is that across the street from the Carlton? Yes. Okay. I know exactly where that so is. So I looked at that property mm. before... Um, I got my job at the catering company Mm -hmm. and it simultaneously makes me happy and breaks my heart that there's something there Yeah, because I think it's such an awesome space. I love old pump stations are the best. Yeah. I mean, I think the, um, the woman who was in charge of leasing the property, um, her family is sort of, uh, spearheading the whole La Plaza renovation of downtown Atascadero. Um, she kind of wanted to model it after the station. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good model. Yeah. So, um, but I, it's, I think that Atascadero downtown is going to be something great soon. Totally. I did a story on tea and one of the places that I visited was the little, you know, the tea trolley, which has been there forever. The little like darling place, um, kind of like you would go there with your mom or your grandma. And I brought my Mm -hmm. kids and we, I, I didn't even recognize where I was when Mm -hmm. I pulled up the brewery, Dead Oak brewery across the street was booming. And then next door was, um, Heidi Peterson ceramics and I love her stuff. Beautiful kitchen store or, you know, like entertainment, Mm -hmm. um, entertaining store. And then Beyond that was something else. And it was just, it felt like it was maybe dark nectar, the coffee shop. Yes, that's right. Yeah. All of a sudden it's like they have the claws are in. (laughs) What do they have? Great Great roasts. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, um, I would say that and Slake in, I want to, is that Cambria where Slake is? Slake. I've never even, where, where have I been? Well, I, this is another thing that I do. I just really am passionate about searching out local products and new, new artisans and mm-hmm. all that so but um I think we have some great coffee roasters in yes. the area and particularly in a Tascadero yeah you know if you like your more traditional darker roasts you've got Joe Bella right there yeah and they've they've always been fantastic yeah and then um dark nectar I think uh embraces the character of the bean a little bit more does mm-hmm. a lighter roast mm-hmm. you know um so there's there's Something for everybody. Totally. And Dead Oak is delicious. I have still yet to have. <laughs> we just the beer did there. their um their pickup party for their club membership. Yeah. Uh, we catered it. I didn't know they had a club. <clears throat> yeah, I believe. Um, I think it was for about 30, 35 people. So yeah, it's not nice. a huge one, but no, but that's nice. Um, and they do those little keg cans, you yeah. know, like you you fill up your growler and then they seal it. Yeah. 
So I got a few while I was there and they've got some really good product. Yeah. So um, I'm excited. You know, I just, I, I used to hate the town I grew up in mm. just cause it was a small town, yeah. but now I think it's really becoming something cool. Yeah. That's the same for me. Actually, mm-hmm. I went away and came back and I just never want to leave now. I'm very yeah. happy here. And and a Tascadero as a new addition in terms of just its revitalization mm-hmm. is so thrilling. I mean, we've got Margarita, a Tascadero, Paso. This is just, it's incredible the way the Central Coast is lighting up. Mm-hmm. And it's good for us that care about yeah. how we eat and drink. So that's awesome. Well, the last question I've been asking everybody is, super morbid. Um, <laughs> my last meal. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what is it? Um... I think it would have to be the meal that I get on my birthday most times. What is that? It's the Hokkaido sushi bowl. Oh. Sashimi bowl, actually, at Goshi. Yes. Oh, it's, I love it. Um, raw scallops. Uh, you hate seafood. No, so but I love Goshi. It's not exciting for you. Oh, I love that um, restaurant. Scallops, uh, shrimp, salmon, crab. Just all this delicious stuff with these amazing, um, like sweet soy marinated mushrooms on the rice and seaweed, and that is I my that favorite meal. Just color, it's texture. beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it's just amazing. And um, see, it's hard for me now because I have to like imagine that my stomach could accommodate all this. Let's imagine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then in the summer they do this uh, matcha shave ice. Oh. With a little bit of like a little scoop of vanilla ice cream and red bean paste on it. Oh, beautiful. And it is so good. Mm. I think I would probably just have that meal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Are you, are you, you said that you had dead oak brewing. Are you, is alcohol okay? I am a lightweight these days. Yeah. Um, That is the biggest change because it used to not affect me too much, Mm -hmm. but um, it definitely does now. So um, they say that you're not really supposed to have carbonation after the surgery. You're not supposed to have sugar. You're not supposed to drink through straws because you intake too much too quickly. There's all these rules, but um, pretty much everybody I know who's had the surgery doesn't follow them after a few years. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny what you say about the straw. I love drinking with a straw. I'm obsessed with straws and now I realize, yeah, because I can do it really fast. Yeah. You drink really, really fast. Yeah. Um, but even, I mean, those rules change over the years too, Mm -hmm. because I know somebody who had gastric bypass, I think it was 10 years before I did. Mm -hmm. So, or maybe even 11. So probably getting closer to 14, 15 years ago. And when I was, um, recovering, she said, just sip your water slowly through a straw. And I said, well, I'm not supposed to have a straw at all. And she was like, oh, I didn't. That's Mm. not something that I was told. So over the years, I think they learn things from, you know, how people react. Like I'm not supposed to have ibuprofen, but she mentioned something about taking an ibuprofen, you know, and yeah, I guess that wrecks your stomach. So you're not supposed to have it. Oh, it is hard on your stomach. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think the rules kind of change and evolve over the years. Yeah. And again, you may be able to tolerate something that most people can't or some people can't mm-hmm. and yeah okay so you've got you've got your haikodon hokkaidon hokkaidon bowl yeah. have you been to japan i have not my sister and my mother have but oh. i have not my sister um 
just went a couple summers or maybe last summer. I can't remember. But her boyfriend has is half Japanese and he has family over there who inherited like a temple and get out of here. Yeah. They were only allowed to um, take ownership of it if they moved to Japan. So they went and visited them. And my mom was a Navy brat. So um, my grandfather was stationed in Japan for a little while. So she lived there for six months when she was when my parents had first started dating. So, you know, that was another thing that contributed to my culinary education Mm -hmm. growing up is my parents had visited all these places. My dad had gone to Europe and my mom lived briefly in Japan and the Philippines and, you know, just all all over these places. So they were worldly. Um, They had a global (laughs) exposure. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you drinking with this, with the bowl? Uh, well, I've recently discovered, well, I say recently, but it's probably the past couple of years. There's this sparkling Nigori sake. That is oh. amazing. Nagori, is that the name of the brand? Nagori is the sweet sake. It's the unfiltered, oh, the cloudy okay. one. Yeah. Um, but they just started making it sparkling. Oh, so it's a goodness. little off dry. It's great with seafood. Yeah. It's just delicious. <laughs> so yeah. that's, I mean, I can't do the hot green tea or the hot sake because it still bothers my stomach. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's. That's probably what I would drink with it. Or uh, they have a Asahi on draft and yes. that's always delicious too. So. I feel like you've thought about this before. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just in the mood for sushi because I haven't had it for a little totally. while. <laughs> well, and it's your birthday meal. So yeah. it's already kind of like it's got its, its the own best menu. Meal. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Well, we got to get you to Japan. Yes, um, for sure. And thank you so much for sharing and opening oh, yeah, your life to me. Okay. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to Consumed. Special thanks to Chris Lambert, who advised me and edited the show. Want to hear more? Visit letsgetconsumed.com for more tasty interviews and news about upcoming episodes. And please share Consumed with a friend. The more, the merrier. Until next time, this is Jamie Lewis.